Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. So God, we thank you this morning for, God, the gift of children and just all the noise that's in this place and all the kids everywhere. We just thank you for that, God. That's a gift from you. And uh, we pray your blessing on the kids. Even now, as they're downstairs, as they're learning about you, we pray that you would help them to understand the goodness and the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would give those teachers the gift of teaching to explain your eternal, everlasting truths to young ears. God, so we pray for them in those classrooms. God, we pray for us sitting here in this room. God, that you would give us understanding, that you would help us to understand the, the, the greatness of who you are. And as we see revealed in Jesus Christ, God, I pray that you would, you would give us soft hearts to receive. God, help us to give you our attention, Lord Jesus, and worship you with the time that we have here this morning as we look at your word. God, we remember um, the families in this room who are expecting. God, we pray, God, for your protection over them. God, we pray for your strength for them, God, as these days and weeks draw, draw close and the energy kind of wanes and, the, and just all the work that needs to get done in the home. Lord, we pray for your provision for them. God, we do pray for these young children. God, we pray for healthy and safe deliveries. We pray for, um, Lord, just babies who are full of life. God, that these young children would grow up to know you and call upon your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Continuing on in our series. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one sitting uh, in the pew in front of you. If not, the most of the scriptures will be on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to read a little thing here. Frederick Douglass grew up as a slave in Maryland in the early 19th century and experienced slavery's every brutality. He was taken from his mother when he was only an infant. For years as a child, all he had to eat was running corn meal dumped in a trough that kids fought to scoop out with oyster shells. He worked in the hot fields from before sunup until after sundown. He was whipped many times with a cowhide whip until blood ran down his back kicked and beaten by his master till he almost died and attacked with a spike by a gang of whites. But even so, when Frederick considered trying to escape to freedom, he struggled with the decision. He writes in the book, The Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American Slave, that he had two great fears. The first fear was this, that he was leaving behind his friends. The second fear was this, if I failed in this attempt, my case would be a hopeless one. It would seal my fate as a slave forever. On September 3, 1838, he remembers this. I left my chains and succeeded in reaching New York without the slightest interruption of any kind. I have been frequently asked how I felt when I found myself in a free state. It was a moment of the highest excitement I ever experienced. I felt like one who had escaped a den 
of hungry lions. The slavery, the brutal and dehumanizing effects can be physically seen on his body. The reality is the Bible calls us all slaves to sin. And although the effects aren't quite as obvious maybe at times, the torment and brutality is just as destructive. I want to just turn over, you don't have to turn there, but to Luke chapter 4, because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus Christ gives us the summary of his ministry on earth. Jesus Christ came to earth and he, he, he lived and died and rose again, but it, while he was here, he gives us a summary of why he came in the first place. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 4. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There's a proclamation of good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to set slaves free. He came to set... People who are enslaved, he brought them to liberty. People who are blind, he says, I'm going to give you sight. Those who are poor, I'm going to provide for you. That's the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's about this this liberation, this freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. This is what he's come to do in his own words. And here's the reality of this. Just like the people who are listening to Jesus in that day, we have a choice to make. We can either reject Jesus' offer of freedom or we can receive it and be transformed. That's the offer God gives to us. He doesn't force us to do anything. He says, I'll give you an, I'll give you an offer of freedom, of real freedom. There will be many reasons why I think, man, this isn't going to work out for me. For Frederick Douglass, what if I leave my friends? What if I get caught? There's a, what, if, what if in my addictions, I don't want to leave my addictions? What if... It means I have to get a new set of friends. What if there's a number of things that we could think in our mind why we wouldn't accept this offer? People who heard this in Jesus' day actually tried to kill him after he said this. Complete and utter rejection. Jesus Christ stands before us and offers us new life and freedom and liberation. Now, turning over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We start the chapter by looking at principles for marriage. Now, I'm not equating marriage with slavery, okay? So don't... Some of you went there in your minds, okay? And I'm just... You should not have gone there. That was bad. So erase that from your minds. We're not going to necessarily spend much time this morning on the marriage and in this, the last part of this chapter on singleness and widows... But what's sandwiched in between these two sections in verses 17 through 24 really seems out of of place at times. But let's look. We're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning that we have, the brief time we have, looking at verses 17 through 24. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church. says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, into which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. 
Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself to the opportunity. For he who has called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let there let him remain with God. So Jesus Christ, in this few verses here, is making a proclamation, proclamation of liberty and freedom that we need to respond to in our lives. That he calls each one of us to a place where we, we have an opportunity to respond. That response looks like faith and repentance, or another way of saying that is, is turning and trusting. That we would turn to Jesus Christ and trust in him for his salvation that he offers to us, for the forgiveness of our sins, See, in Paul's day, there was two major divisions in society. One was religious, and that was circumcision. The other was social, and that was slavery. Now, in the time of Paul's writing this, in the city of Rome, the capital city of the Roman Empire to which they lived, they lived in this, the Roman Empire, the capital city had, had uh, almost two-thirds of the population were slaves. Now, the slavery that Paul, in Paul's day, was 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 different from the slavery that was experienced in the states here um, hundred years ago and, and more, in that most of the slaves in Paul's day were slaves because of two things. One was because of debt. So if you were in debt, you were unable to pay your pay your way out of debt. Instead of declaring bankruptcy, you'd have to go and sell yourself to someone as a slave. And then within probably about seven years, you could you could manually free yourself from the slavery. Or, because what they would do is, as the Roman Empire expanded, they would conquer armies, and they would take the, the armies that were defeated and basically fan out the soldiers into different places to, as slaves, which then kept an uprising from happening back in the place where they conquered. And he's, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, serve him where you are, right as you are. He's like, wherever you are, whatever, whatever, whatever place, whatever situation you are in in your life, you have an opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. Now, when, when I first got out of college, actually when I was in college, I started working in a warehouse. And as I worked in the warehouse, pulled orders, you know, loaded trucks, drove delivery trucks, did all kinds of stuff. But I worked in a warehouse for a long time, almost a decade, spent working in a warehouse. And it was a great job, great guys to work with. But the reality of it was, is as I was working in the warehouse, I had the opportunity, this amazing opportunity, to tell people about Jesus Christ. And in doing so, I wasn't coming to them as someone who was on staff as a pastor somewhere. I was just, a, just the average guy sitting there just talking to them as we pulled orders, loaded trucks, ate together. There was a testimony of Jesus Christ that I could share with them in that. And they received me as such because we're, I was just one of the guys. Now, when I came on staff, 
I remember I was at a restaurant and I was telling uh, someone about Jesus Christ. Like, oh, and they started asking me questions, where do you work? You know, I work at a church. And, and so after telling this person about Jesus Christ, they said, well, you're just saying that because you get paid to do that. Now, there was a big difference there, right? You can see that. And so for me, for me, I didn't have to go really into ministry to continue following Jesus Christ right where I was. In some ways, some of my ministry back in the warehouse was, was even more effective and more powerful than it ever was as someone being on staff. Because in talking with someone, it was just a, it was just guy to guy. I wasn't getting paid to do that. It wasn't my job to tell you about Jesus. And so there was an incredible opportunity, I think, for us in this church, whether you're working or you stay at home, you have an amazing opportunity to serve Jesus Christ. Whether you're a student or you've graduated, you have an amazing opportunity right where you are to serve Jesus Christ. Whether you're old or young, whether you're poor or wealthy, it doesn't matter. You can serve Jesus Christ right where you are. That's the beautiful thing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, he saves us and redeems us and says, look, I've got a plan and a purpose for you right where you are. You don't have to change yourself to be used by God. You don't have to go into full-time ministry to be used by God. You don't have to be a graduate with a degree behind your name to be used by God. You don't have to be wealthy to be used by God. You don't have to have that perfect job. You don't have to be in management to be used by God. God can use each one of us right where we are in every circumstance and situation that we're in. That's what God has called us to do. That's how God uses us. And we could think to ourselves, well, if, if only I didn't have to work two jobs, I could serve Christ. Or if only I was in ministry, I could serve Christ. Or if I didn't have to take care of all these kids, I could serve Christ. And that's not the, that's not the point Paul's making here. He's saying, look, wherever you are, slave or free, circumcised or uncircumcised, in every part of life, this, he's kind of making a blanket statement that includes everybody. He says, look, you can serve Christ. You don't have to change to somehow, to somehow be used by God. However, as a side note, verse 21, he says this, if you can gain your freedom, make every opportunity to do it. He's not saying you should stay in slavery. He's saying, look, if you can, absolutely get out of slavery. But by and large, wherever you are, you can be used by God. Now, how can Paul say all these things? Let's look at verse 22 and 23. So, For he who was called by the Lord as a slave is a freed man of the Lord. Now, freed man is a term that they use to describe someone who was purchased out of slavery. So someone who was in slavery, who's now been purchased out of slavery, would be considered a freed man. And what they would do to free the person from slavery is they would take that person down to the local temple, and they had many temples to worship many different gods. And what they would do is they would go down to the local temple, the slave and the owner, and they would go before the, the priest or in the temple somewhere, and they would exchange the money that it took to purchase them out of slavery. And at that point, that person then became really, a, he was set free from slavery to that master, and then became what they considered a slave of that foreign god. Wherever that god was, he was a slave of that god. Now, with, that was more of a symbolic thing because he didn't have to work in the temple or do anything like that. 
It just meant that now he belonged to some, he belonged to this God and not to this guy. He was free to do as he chooses. And what Paul's Paul's using the same analogy, saying, "Look, you've been purchased, right? You've been purchased. You no longer belong to to sin and to slavery that held you back. You now belong to the Lord, and you've been purchased with a price. There's been a price that's been paid for you. What that price is is the blood of Jesus Christ." That's been the payment for our sin. We have been set free. We belong to him. It says whether you've been enslaved in the past or you're free, either way, you belong to Jesus. He is our freedom. He is our salvation. He has redeemed us at a price. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter where we are, student, graduate, poor, rich, whether we are stay-at-home, male, female, whether we work 100 hours a week or work 20 hours a week, God redeems us and saves us right where we are. He says, look, you don't have to somehow change your situation to follow me. You can serve me right where you are. But this requires from us a decision to be made. Will we follow Jesus Christ? Will we trust him for our salvation? Will we trust him that his death on the cross was enough to pay for all of our sins? That is, a, that is an offer that Jesus gives to each one of us. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never made that decision, encourage you to consider following Jesus Christ and trusting in Him for your salvation. Trusting in Him to forgive you of all your sins. And you can live a life of freedom, belonging to Him, to no one else. We're going to pray as we close. We ask the Lord to help us as we consider these things. So Lord Jesus, thank You for the gift, the offer of freedom that we could follow you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to trust you with all of our lives. Jesus, that you, your death on the cross was enough to redeem all of me. And that you can use us right where we are in every situation. In your name we pray. Amen.